Hey everyone, Michael Rokas here with a quick update before we hop into the episode. So at the beginning of the year, we thought we'd try something different by introducing an opinion-based show to the lineup, and we'd pair it with some cool animation work, and I'd bring in a co-host and my little brother, and a guy who has competed at the national level, Paul, to really dig to the bottom of some of these often debated running subjects. Imagine it kind of as a long-run conversation caught on tape. It's an attempt at an intelligent look at these running subjects, but we'd also try and inject some humor in there as well. With that being said, we're still planning on keeping up on the regular interview-based show, and in fact, I'm working on an episode with a real newsmaker as we speak. But amongst those, we'll also be sprinkling in this new format as well. Now, between you and me, the best way to enjoy this is... A, by sharing it with three running buddies, but also because of the animation via our YouTube channel, which already has another one of these episodes up as we speak. I highly suggest you subscribe to that, and we'll leave the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, or don't, drop us a note at the Terminal Mile on Instagram or Twitter. Now, get ready for some running chatter with our very special guest this week, two-time Olympian, Read cool set. Enjoy, and as always, support your local Twilight mate. How fast do you think Tom Tom Longboat could go in Vapor Revise? That's that's the question everyone wants to know, you know? No stopping him. from Southwestdale from the Terminal Mile headquarters. My name is Michael Rokas and I am of course joined as always by my co-host from Dundas, Ontario, Paul Rokas. And we are joined by a special guest this week coming from the other side of Westdale, two-time Olympian and fifth fastest Canadian marathoner of all time. But he has been second fastest virtually every other time he's been on the show. He is Reed Coolset. How, how are you doing today, fellas? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks for having me, Good. Michael. How are you, Michael? In South Dakota, on the side of Mount Rushmore, there are four presidents of the United States of America that have been immortalized with their faces carved into the mountain for all to see. Which makes us wonder, if we are to immortalize four Canadian marathoners in the exact same way, who would make the cut and who would be left off the mountain? So this is going to be a one-of-two-part show as we've divided the four spots that are found on Rushmore into two places for the men and two for the women. On today's show, we are going to be taking a look at the two men's spots, and like I mentioned, we are joined by Paul Rokas today, as well as two-time Olympian Reed Coolsat to, uh, to really break this thing down. So how we are going to be deciding it? Well, first, let's throw a couple rules out there. First, we decided a pool of six marathoners beforehand, with each host taking two marathoners that they'll advocate for. Secondly, each marathoner will be represented by an uninterrupted two-minute argument with discussion and rebuttals to follow with the entire group. And third, at the end of the show, each host will put forward their two selections for the marathoning Rushmore based on the arguments that they've heard, and the two marathoners with the most amount of votes will get Rushmored. If there's a tie, we'll pitch it to you, the listeners. So before we hop into the uh, before we hop into the arguments and uh, and unrolling who we will be defending on this podcast, 
Uh, I I figure I'll go around the table first, and uh, we'll we'll each highlight some some criteria that we'll be looking for uh, from our marathoners. So, Reed, we'll start with you. What's what's probably the most important criteria that you'll be looking for uh, when you determine who's going to end up on the Canadian marathoning Rushmore? Well, one of the obvious things is just time. Like, how fast has a person run a marathon? Um, you know, it's often talked about and um, it's, you know, with, with, with most marathons um, that you run, it's, you know, you're just, you're trying to run a fast time. Of course, you're trying to win. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, the case when, you know, a Canadian's going to Berlin or something uh, that they're trying to win. They're, they're going there to run a fast time. So, you know, fast, there's a lot of importance on a fast time. And I think it's, uh, it's one of the things that, would really make a marathoner stand out when considering who is the, the best marathoners of all time. All right. Over to you, Dundas. What's, uh, what, what are you paying attention to? Oh, I'm looking at consistency. I mean, uh, if you look at a marathoner's career, uh, sure. You know, you can get fast performances in there, but can they replicate that? Um, can they be consistently good? And, uh, are you able to see over their career, you know, they always show up. Uh, they're always in the mix. Uh, they're consistently good and a reliable performer. All right. So, you know, fast times, that's important. Consistency, also important. But what I'm going to be looking for is what I like to call the Crosby-Henderson factor, where an outstanding athlete becomes immortalized after doing something substantial on the world stage. So think, uh, you know, 2010, uh, Sidney Crosby scoring that uh, that gold medal uh, winning goal or, uh, of course, Henderson Summit Series, uh, that sort of thing. And as we roll out uh, our marathoners today, you will see that definitely guided my selection of the uh, two folks that I uh, specifically selected. So with that being said, uh, we are going to start the individual arguments uh let me just remind you folks of the rules it'll be an uninterrupted two minute argument for uh for each of the runners so i'm going to uh to bring up the uh the clock application right now and the first person who is up is reed with his very first pick so reed i'm going to start the stopwatch right now all right. I don't think I'll even need two minutes to make uh, this case. This is for uh, Jerome Drayton, born Peter Buniak. Um, he is a three-time Fukuoka champion. So Fukuoka Marathon in Japan was uh, was one of the, the best marathons um, back in the day. He won in 69, 75, and 76. Um, he won the Boston Marathon in 77, and he was sixth at the Olympics in 1976. Um, on top of that, he holds a personal best of 2.10.09, uh, which he set in uh, Fukuoka in 1975. Um, so that was that was the Canadian record for, um, I believe, 43 years. And he held the Canadian record before that, actually, from 1969, uh, when he ran 2.11 low. So um, he, he held the Canadian record for 49 years. Um, that, that alone is... Uh, is a worthy of a, a Rushmore spot. So, um, yeah, there you have it. Coming in at uh, one minute and five seconds is uh, is our first uh, entry 
for the uh, for our consideration for the uh, for the marathoners Mount Rushmore with Jerome Drayton, and you know we're we're opening this up for for discussion right now. But but Rita, I have to ask you since you've probably you know fielded the the question about the about you know breaking the Canadian record, uh, you know many different times. Do you feel like? That that number that that two ten almost lost its significance by by the end. I mean, like, do you do you think people really appreciated what that time meant when he first said it? Well, yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I, I think when he said it, it was still. Um, and I'd have to. Uh, I, I might be wrong on this, but I think it was one of the top ten times ever run. Um, so you know, equivalently, it, it, now it would be like you know running a two oh three something. So it was, uh, it wasn't that far off the world record and, um, it was a very competitive time. Um, of course, 40 years later, uh, no, nowhere near is, is competitive. Um, during my career, I always wanted to break 210, just as, you know, the, the sub four mile is a, is a barrier or, um, you, you know, any sort of round number, but, um, it just happened that the Canadian record was there too. So, um, it's, it's, you know, to, to break 210, um, you know, obviously is is a good uh, measure st- these days. But um, in 1970s, it was you know, um, it was right up there um, with with the top times in the world. All right, Paul, you you mentioned consistency as as kind of being your thing. Where's this? Uh, where does Mister Where does Mister Drayton fit in with your uh, with your criteria? Well, I think uh, Drayton was always consistently up there uh as uh reed mentioned you know obviously very fast time there but he also uh did well in quite a few races um and overall his career was pretty solid um and was i think that consistency was there to uh, definitely consider him uh for mount rushmore well, As an aside, uh, Jerome Drayton won twelve marathons. So, um, so you know, like some people haven't even raced twelve marathons, and he, he's won twelve. So, yeah, he was uh, consistently really good. So this uh, this show that has been all about disagreements and conflict, uh, we all agree Jerome Drayton was fantastic. <laughs> That's how it goes, folks. That's how it goes. Uh, with that being said, uh, again, we, we all agree Jerome Drayton's great, so we should probably roll on to our second choice today, and, uh, and that was picked by Paul. So, Paul, I'm going to, uh, to restart my clock here, and you are going to have two minutes on the board uh, starting now. Well, the uh, person I picked for a uh, candidate for Mount Rushmore was Tom Longboat. We're going way back uh, to the 1900s. Well, Tom Longboat's career started in 1906. Um, Anybody who knows about Canadian running knows this guy is an absolute legend. Uh, He's a Native American from uh, Six Nations outside of Brantford. Um, He really started off his career, as I mentioned, around 1906. Um, his big, first big win there was uh, around the bay in Hamilton, actually. Um, and he won Boston the next following year in uh, 1907. 
No, it should add a little asterisk to his career. Uh, back in that time, uh, any race distance above 15 miles was considered a marathon. So it's a little hard to uh, find, you know, exact times and personal best for Tom Longboat. But the one thing that he does have is he won a lot. Um, in his amateur career, he only lost something like three races, which is mind-blowing. I uh, did go to the Olympics in 1908. However, he did collapse partway through the race uh, and did not finish. Uh, after the Olympics, I uh, decided to turn pro. Uh, and I mean, reading through his career, even a, like when he was a pro, pretty amazing stuff he did. I'm thinking of uh, a marathon in Madison Square Gardens. Uh, one versus one um, okay, 10 indoor marathon. That's, that's crazy. Uh, the story of that, he came from behind uh, to Two win seconds. that after being down several All several right. laps. All right. And uh, yeah, Tom, Boat is, Tom Longboat is uh, certainly a legendary individual that should be up on uh, Mount Rushmore of Canadian running, marathoning. All right, so... You know, there's there's no doubt that he is a legend, but I'm I'm gonna throw this out there. Uh, did you end up finding out what his his actual PB was in the twenty six point two distance? Uh, I did not. No, the uh, time that I found was when he won Boston. Uh, it was a twenty four and a half mile course, and he won. He mashed a record. Uh, but he won it in two twenty four twenty four. That being said, he didn't have vapor flies. So, I mean, my my issue with 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 Tom Longboat is is no doubt he is you know a legend and he's he's a legendary figure in the sport. But it's it's really hard, uh, you know, especially with the criteria that we've mentioned, with the consistency and uh, with the. Uh, with the fast times, uh, no doubt he had had lots of really big moments, but it's it's almost comparing apples and oranges here. You know, it's it's tough to really uh, compare the, you know, him to what people are doing now. He didn't have that level of support as well. So I, I don't know about Tom Longboat. Reed, what are, what are your thoughts on Tom? Well, yeah, of course he has. He didn't have the um, fast time, uh, but. Yeah, so some of the wins uh, at the time were were huge. So the Madison Madison Square Garden duels, um, one with uh, Durando Petrie from Italy, and then I, it was it was a fairly short time later he did another one against Alfie Shrub. So um, th- those two guys were considered the best uh, marathoners. Um, in, in those in those days, and and he won these one on one champion chip battle uh marathon so you know he's best in the world and consistent um but of course yeah it was it was way before um i guess you would say like uh like the the training systems we have now modern training systems and and whatnot so it was almost it was it's it's an era that's very hard to compare um from say you know the 1960s onward I mean, that being said, you know, Paul mentions vapor flies. I mean, how fast do you think Tom Tom Longboat could go in vapor flies? That's that's the question everyone wants to know. You know, no, no stopping him with vapor flies. 
<laughs> we're not that kind of podcast, folks. We are not that kind of podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, that rests the case on Tom Longboat. Uh, we're going to move to pick number three, uh, my very own pick. So I, uh, I have my stopwatch here in front of me, and I will start that right now. So the third pick for uh, selection of, uh, of the Canadian marathoners, uh, Mount Rushmore, and I just killed a whole bunch of time there, yikes man, is multiple time national champion, three time Olympian, two time Olympic marathoner, Mr. Eric Gillis, a man who is certainly familiar with uh, our guest Reed here today. So I think that's a really great place to start with the Olympic marathon as uh, that's really where his Crosby Henderson moment came. He ran a 2.12.29 for 10th at the Rio Games. He was the first Canadian since Jerome Drayton, uh, you know, cracked the top 10 in Montreal. So a huge, huge accomplishment there for, you know, some extra context on that on that race. This was a race that included the best marathoner uh, to ever lace up in Elliot Kipchoge, and there's three runners in front of Eric that had some sort of mechanical advantage as well, too, and he still came in 10th place. So maybe 2.12.29 doesn't sound super, super impressive, but in a race where the winner, Kipchoge, finished in uh, a time that was 4% slower than his PB at the time, by comparison, Eric was only slowed down by less than a percentage point in that devastating Rio weather. Another quick point, uh, Eric comes from a time uh, from such a strong group of himself, of uh, of Reed, who's on the call today, of Dylan Weiss, Rob Watson, Kip Kangogo. They're all competitive, all really responsible for shifting the culture in marathoning in Canada You'll notice that there there's not a lot of folks from who are competing in, in the aughts or from the '90s on this episode, and it was a, it was a real dry spell. Eric really changed that. Finally, last seven seconds: two eleven twenty one, two eleven thirty one, two eleven twenty eight, two eleven forty, two twelve oh eight. Enough said. Eric Gillis deserves to be on that uh, on that Mount Rushmore. All right, I'm going to open up to you uh, first as the the man who probably knows Eric the best. Reed, what do you think? Do you think he deserves to be on the on the side of the Canadian marathoners Mount Rushmore? I mean, his his tenth place at at Rio, um, you know, behind behind uh, Drayton's uh, sixth place at the Olympics, it's uh, it's, it's the second best, um, and it 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 definitely was. Eric's best, um, marathon. Um, I don't think his two eleven twenty one um, would even be comparable. Um, so yeah, he doesn't have like the fastest time because there's probably other guys, um, who have run two eleven decades before Eric, um, who we're not even considering, but, um, you you know, to finish 10th, you know, that's something that just, it's going to, you know, last the, the test of time. Right. Um, doesn't matter how fast you run there. You're 10th at the Olympics. It's a, it's a, it's a huge run. All right, Paul, that, that, that last group of stats that I was throwing out there, uh, you know, all those, all those times, uh, that definitely fits your, your steady Freddie, uh, sort of criteria there. Uh, your thoughts on Gillis being a potential, um, you know, Mount Rushmore marathoner. Do you think, do you think he, he cracks up there, especially against, uh, Tom Longboat and Jerome Drayton? 
Oh, I think he definitely uh, deserves consideration up there. I think uh, I, I said I was looking for consistency, and I, I don't think uh, anybody could give me any better than uh, looking at Eric Gillis's career. Uh, that guy was running a marathon. He was probably going to run 211. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, even, uh, Rio, that was... To finish a, you know, Rio would have been the last. Oh, I guess he he raced Boston after Rio, if I remember correctly. But I, I guess Rio is kind of the last big memorable uh, marathon of his career, and that's uh, and that's a hell of a way to, you know, finish finish up. Uh, like I said, I, Mister. Er, uh, Eric Gillis is uh, Mr. Consistent in my mind uh, when it comes to marathon running. Well, I, I do remember right after Rio, he uh, he really went for it uh, at Toronto and uh, and fell a bit short. But if I re- if I remember uh, well, he he really went for it there. Reed, Reed I do have a question regarding uh, you know my point about about the culture change. I want to know, you know, was that something that, that you definitely felt as well, too? I mean, like, you were right on, on the beginning of that, uh, of yourself and Eric jumping into the marathon when there there wasn't a whole lot of guys there. Can can you comment a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, when I started competing um, on the national scene, like going to national cross-country championships and track championships um, around 2000, um, yeah, there really wasn't much buzz um, about the marathon at all. Um, uh, I think I was, I was telling you about this earlier, but in 2001, Canada hosted the Edmonton, uh, like the World Championships were hosted in Edmonton, and you can send a full team in the marathon as a host country. Um, so five five men, five women. So the, the five men that went, um, only uh, Bruce Deacon had a personal best under 220. Um, you know, he was, he was a great runner, um, finishing, uh, he is, you know, Pan Am silver medalist and uh, I think an 11th place at worlds. Um, but you would have figured that to, to, you know, to run at, you know, at the, at the world championships, you'd have a bunch of guys running whatever, 215, 217, 218, no, like 221 to 223 was what, was what we could round up. So, um, yeah, when I was, uh, you know, trying to, run fast times over 5k and 10k for the, the following 10 years. Um, yeah, there, there really wasn't much buzz about the marathon. Um, and when Dylan and Danny Cassap um, kind of got the ball rolling with uh, 215, 214, um, and then Eric and I came along too, and Dylan, myself, and Eric made the Olympic team, there was, there was a lot of buzz. Um, and I just remember how much more buzz i could get running 217 in ottawa than running 1321 in belgium which uh is a, is a way better performance but uh there's something about the marathon and and then especially with the olympics so yeah once once the olympic marathon just got added in to the to the mix of what people are talking about it it definitely changed things and I just remember in 2012, a lot of people were saying like, this is, will be the beginning of, um, you know, this, of, of, of like this new uh, era of marathoning and that by 2016, Eric Dillon and I would, you know, we, we'd be, uh, be booted out by this, this younger generation coming through. And 
uh, we saw it with the women. So Lanny and uh, Krista um, stepped up huge, both breaking the the Canadian record and, and making the Olympics. But um, it took a little bit, a little while later for um, for the men to uh, to kind of have this, you know, consistency uh, at the top end. Uh, definitely, definitely. I, you know, I, I can't help but think that, uh, you know, that a lot of the marathoners today have, have yourself, have Eric to thank, have Dylan to thank, uh, for, for really, you know, putting, putting eyes on to that, to that event. So I, I think that's uh that's a solid reason that, uh, that Eric should be up on that, uh, on that Rushmore. Uh, with that being said, I had both the third and the fourth pick. So I will, I'll turn things around with, uh, with pick number four, with my second pick to, uh, to kick off the second round here. I have my stopwatch ready to go and I will start it right now. So I have the man of twos, Mr. Art Bolo. He was, uh, if, if you aren't uh, aware, he was, he was one of the, uh, one of the pack of uh, guys in the eighties who was, who's really tearing it up. On the marathon scene, uh, Peter Marr, uh, Dave Edge, you know, all, all those guys just really uh, making a whole lot of noise in the 80s. What I really liked about Arbolo is he, you know, just a whole lot of results there. So he's a two-time Olympian. Uh, he was in both LA and in Seoul. In Seoul, he actually came 28th. He was two times on the world championship team, uh, both in Helsinki as well as Stuttgart. In Helsinki, he actually got 11th at the world championships. That's a huge, huge result. He was the two-time winner of the LA Marathon, but I think his Crosby moment was definitely when he got second place at the 1986 Boston Marathon. That's uh, that, that to me is, is just... Uh, Everyone knows what the Boston Marathon is. It's it's probably the most famous marathon in the entire world. And getting second at it, that is a huge, huge accomplishment. Of course, he was no flash in the pan uh, from his first international to his last international comp- uh, competition. It was uh, it was a solid decade uh, going from, I believe, 83 to 93. And he had a solid PB of 211.15. Not super amazing, but I think the the results certainly show that he was uh, he was a real gamer, maximizing his races, and uh, he was also a one time Canadian champion and a guy who just kept on showing up, and is worthy of being on that Canadian marathoners Rushmore. All right, I'm gonna gonna turn to you, Paul. First, uh, what do, what do you think of Art Boileau? Do you think he's uh, he's worthy of that spot on the Canadian marathoners Rushmore? Well, I mean, as you mentioned, he had a he had a long career, but uh, certainly with that second at Boston, that was a uh, that was a big performance for him. I think I think that if you look uh, that whole year, nineteen eighty six was a pretty good year for him, uh, as he got a fifth at the Commonwealth Games later that year, which is uh, pretty impressive as well. A second and a fifth in uh, two marathons, especially being Boston and uh Edinburgh or in uh Commonwealth sorry Commonwealth was in Edinburgh or that year um and I mean uh yeah like he you know he he does have that consistency uh and he always seemed to show up and plays well in uh in marathons especially international competitions as well 
Reed, you're probably one of the people that I know who has the the most uh, knowledge about Canadian 80s marathoners. So I, I want to hear your input on uh, on Mr. Boileau and and his career. Yeah, I mean he had he had a lot of good finishes, right? Like he had a lot of um, times between 211 and 214, um, and you know like. You know, L, like he, he he ran like two thirteen two fourteen at L A, um, you know, which is not, um, you know, not an easy course um, by any means. And then yeah, of course, like Olympics, um, World Championships, and I have to, I I, I did say Bruce Deacon was eleventh at Worlds. I'm, I was thinking of um, Art Bolo's thing. So yeah, um, yeah, twenty eighth at the Olympics, eleventh at Worlds, um, second at Boston, like big big performances and. To, to be running 211.30, 211.15 in the early uh, mid 80s, like like those those were fast times, right? So, um, uh, relatively, he's yeah, he was a fast guy as well. You know, I'm gonna stay with you on on this one, uh, Reed. Do you think that a lot of those 80 80s guys have have kind of, I mean, like they didn't run the Drayton times, uh, and but you know, a lot of time has passed since then. Do you do you think that those guys have have kind of been you know shoved into the shadows a little bit? Do you think we should be uh, appreciating what they are doing back in the '80s a little more? Yeah, I mean, pro- I, I I think so. I mean, with some of these uh, some of the performances that um, you know people would get excited about today, um, you know, the, like you know, say like yeah, finishing eleventh at Worlds, um, uh, you know, obviously you know, a podium at Boston, um, or even a top five at Boston, right? Like top five, top six at Boston, um, is, is huge. Right. And, um, I wouldn't say it was commonplace back then, but, um, you know, these guys were, these guys were up there. All right. So that set us, sets us up, uh, for our fifth pick, uh, a man who I believe, um, he uh, he hasn't been lost uh, to to the throes of time yet. I'm going to turn this over to Paul. I'm setting my clock, and you have two minutes starting now. My final uh, my final pick here, uh, the fifth pick overall that we chose. Um, all I have to say is, you know, Jerome Drayton held the Canadian record for a very long time, but uh, there's a new face in town, and his name is Cam Levins. 209.25, first man under two, first Canadian man under 210 uh, in his debut marathon in 2018 in Toronto. Um, I think doing that, personally, that's, you know, that's his Crosby moment, as you like to call it, Michael. That's, uh, that's deserving of a spot on Mount Rushmore. Now, you just might say one performance that uh, seems a bit, you know, much. But uh, I would say, you know, even some of his uh, races that we consider to be bad races, uh, like the Marathon Project in December, wasn't really too bad. He still ran a 2.12.15 uh, this December. Um, he's also run a 2.15. His marathoning career is is pretty, uh, pretty new, I would say. Uh, if you consider that Mount Rushmore took 14 years to build, I think that's Levin's on it now. I think that is plenty of time for him to show us what he can do as a Cam is an exceptional runner, um, even outside his marathon. 
I won't talk too much about that, but he does have a 102, uh, 14 half PV, um, which I think sets him up for to run an even faster time than his 209.25 uh, that he has run. In. 10 seconds. Uh, I'm sure in the future we will see that Canadian record go down even more by Cam. All right, so you know a, a solid point uh, right there, and it's I think it's always pretty safe uh, to choose the the current Canadian uh, record holder. Uh, if I remember correctly, I was at the finish line when uh, when when Cam Levins crossed the line that day, and you weren't too too far from there. Were, were you, Reed? Um, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking like, uh, what, what year was that? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, that was 2018. Yeah, I was I was really far away. Oh, <laughs> uh, you were closer than me, Reed. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> um, not barely. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw. I remember seeing Cam at the, at the turnarounds. Um, but yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was that was that was a pretty awful race for me. Um, uh, I think maybe. Maybe my my second slowest ever, other than um, the 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 downpour of Boston. So um, it was I, I was I was really happy to see Cam break that record, um, just because in 2012 I kind of you know Dylan, Eric, and I we would talk about Cam's training and we're like, man, he's he's running more than us as marathoners. He's he's running the 5K and 10K. Like this guy will kill the marathon when he comes to it and. Um, it was, to me, it was just a matter of time before he ran um, a, a really fast time. Twenty seven oh seven probably equates to, I'm I'm guessing two oh five. Um, you know, those guys running low twenty sevens are going to be running two oh five, two oh six, maybe some two oh four. You know, so um, I, I thought he was capable of of two oh five, two oh six before the shoes came out. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't a surprise for me at all when. I, I I came across the line minutes minutes later um, to find out that he had he had broken the record and um, yeah his, his his career hasn't gone the way we thought uh, since um, but we've seen some glimpses of good races this year uh, the shorter distances and, and good training I, I I think he will um, he'll be back and he'll uh, he'll he'll be. I guess more deserving of a, a Rushmore spot if we're if we're doing this in a couple of years. Um, but as it stands, he's he really only has one one result that, um, that that's worth talking about in the marathon. Yeah, who would have thought that the uh, that the two fifty one marathoner would be the guy closest to the finish line uh, when when Cam crossed the line? I mean, I'm just throwing that out there right now. Um, yeah, you know what the the thing with with Cam is that that he has uh, that huge performance, and that was so so exciting to see. However, um, you know, take a look at, at at Paul's criteria that he mentioned right off the hop. You know, the the whole steady hand uh, thing. I I think it might be a little too soon. I'm not saying that he won't get there eventually. I j- I just think that it it might be a little uh, too soon to be uh, to be putting him on on Rushmore. Uh, maybe if we have uh, have the same sculptor on on this one, um, you know, maybe maybe by the time 14 years rolls uh, around, maybe maybe 
we can put him up on there. I just, I just think it, it might be too soon now. Is is there a rebuttal for that, Paul? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have a rebuttal as much as to say. I think, um, you know, I definitely think if we were recording this uh, in a year from now, I, I feel like, you know, uh, with hopefully Tokyo happening, I, I think our, our discussion would look a, a little different because, you know, you, you give uh, one more shot for Cam to qualify for the, the Olympics. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, just one more year. Every year I feel like Cam is just going to get better and better. And the argument for Cam will be become hopefully easier and easier for him to be on Mount Rushmore. All right. With that being said, that uh, that wraps up pick number five, and we're going to turn it over to. Hold on. Where where'd Reed go? That's that's not Reed on the screen right now. All right. Well, we are going to turn it over to the person who's sitting in Reed's basement right now, uh, looking like he is he's ready to go. Uh, not Reed. Cool set. Your time starts right now. All right. I I think this guy Reed Cool set can make uh make claim to uh you know, minimum top six here, but um, let me just dig through his stats. Uh, What do we have here? Um, 23rd at at Olympics, 27th at Olympics, 25th at Worlds. Um, His personal best is 210.28, and he has three times run under 211. No other Canadian has done that. And he's run six times under 211.30. No other Canadian's done that. And what else is this? Um, I don't know what this guy. This he's kind of a bum, but uh, he 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 somehow managed to run a few few good marathons. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. I I can't really. I mean, he's he's got a fast time. The consistency's there. Okay, at the world at the world level. So um, I I I I put him on the on Rushmore. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, not read cool set. Um, as from your perspective in, in Dundas right now, do you do you doesn't that guy kind of look a little bit familiar, Paul? Yeah, I can't quite place it though. I feel like I've seen him out uh, running around uh, Westdale, Dundas area, something like that. Okay, but does, oh, do you recognize him? Uh, a little bit. Do you think he makes a good point, though? Do you think? Uh, do you think Reed Coolset uh, should be in consideration not only for the top six, but also for the Canadian uh, the Canadian marathoners Rushmore? Oh yeah, for sure. I think uh, I, I think there's a good argument there. Some, something you didn't really touch on. Uh, if I could help out, not Reed Coolset or maybe Reed Coolset. Uh, is, you know, I think, uh, you touched on it a little bit earlier with the Gillis, uh, as well. And I, I think, you know, they definitely inspired the future, the current crop of, uh, Canadian men's marathoners that we're seeing now. I know personally, uh, I started following, uh, kind of, you know, more Canadian running, in uh when i was in high school in uh 2011 2011 in the uh build up to to uh 2012 olympics then i remember watching the finish line of or you know on on tv watching uh you know that finish of the toronto waterfront marathon where where both reed and and gillis qualified for 2012 olympics and 
you know, I think that's, uh, you know, stuff like that, inspiring the next generation. I, I think that's a, that's a big, big thing to consider when you're looking at a Mount Rushmore. You know, kind of on that on that topic, and I'll turn it right back to you, Paul. But uh, I remember coming to to visit you here in in Hamilton, and uh, in your student house, you had a you had a giant picture of uh, of Reed hanging on the uh, on the living room wall. Do you know where that poster is now? Who who took custody of that thing? I I think it's still in that house. Um, as far as I know, the. Um... It's still a, uh, you know, cross-country runners still live in that house. And uh, I, I haven't been there for quite a few years. But the last I was there, that that, uh, that poster was still hanging up. Um, we even put a mustache on him at one point. Uh, yeah, no. I think I, I think I might have actually put that mustache on. <laughs> I forget. But somebody did tell me a, a few years ago that it, that it was still hanging up somewhere probably in a bathroom or something but (laughs) well would you look at that reed reed real reed cool set has uh has joined us once again and uh yeah you know i i uh you know i i I won't embarrass you too much here but i i can't help but think that uh that both you and uh and eric and and that entire crew that that you guys trained with you know whether it be rob or or dylan you know like you, you changed the face of the sport. And, and so I, uh, you know what you, uh, you ended up making the argument here. We didn't set you up, but, uh, I, I think you, you can definitely lay claim to, uh, to being in the top six there. With oh, that- thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it was weird. I was, you know, when I got the six pick, I'm like, Oh my God, like, you know, there's so many guys I could pick. And of course, um, you know, to be cheeky, I would have picked John Brown, who's Canadian now and finished fourth at two Olympics and has run 209 twice, but he never did it running with a Canadian singlet, so he was out. But, um, yeah, Dave Edge, he had nine nine marathons under 213. Uh, Peter Fonseca, multiple podiums, 211 guy. Um, Gord Dixon, um, uh, actually from the Hamilton area, he was third at Boston um, and seventh at Boston and seventh at Boston. Um, in the 50s, uh, like we, um, yeah, like we said before, Dylan Wikes, he's run 210.47. Um, the other fast times in there would be like Peter Butler at 210 and Tristan Woodfine at 210, um, Ben Preisner at 210, um, Hoffbauer 209, um, Peter Marr, 10th uh, at Worlds. If you ever watched that video, he was like leading for oh, a huge chunk of it. Um, it's, it's, that's inspiring in itself. Um, yeah, Bruce Deacon, I think we mentioned him already. So yeah, there's a lot of guys, um, who, who I, I wanted to mention. And then my ego just said, you know, I can't leave myself out of the top six. So, you know, fifth fastest still, um, third place at Toronto. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there, you know, sixth at Berlin. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, I, I was going to toss it over to you, to Paul for, uh, for some, some, you know, honorable mentions there, but man, I, I think that that takes up my entire list of, uh, of honorable mentions there. Yeah. It's, I, I think one big takeaway that we can take away from the show is, is that there's, there's so much talent and honestly, it's such an exciting time to, uh, to be watching the marathon in Canada. Uh, like I said, for most of the shows that, that I've had you on here over the years, you've been, uh, you've, you've been number two. But uh, now you're down to number five, and that that is just happening in a couple of years. So, 
Uh, with that being said, we uh, let's let's turn it over to uh, to to wrap up this show. Of course, uh, we are going to to go around the table now, and uh, I'm going to get uh, each of you to announce uh, who your t- two picks are. First, we're going to head out to to Dundas, uh, Paul. Who who are your two picks for the men's side of the Canadian Marathoners Mount Rushmore? Well, I think uh, Jerome Drayton. That's uh, they should already be carving him. Um, and the second one, just gonna have to say that ninth or that uh, tenth in Rio, um, that did it for me. It's uh, Mr. Eric Gillis. All right, uh, heading out to the to the other side of Westdale right now, uh, to the uh, to the north side of Westdale. Uh, Reed, who who do you have? Who who do you think deserves to be in the Canadian marathoners Mount Rushmore. Well, Drayton, the obvious one. Um, like I said, I, th- I think he has the top four performances. Um, and then, if I were to go with the the next best performance, um, I would go with Gillis. And um, I was in that race, so I, I, I know what it took to to be tenth there, and I know what it took to be, you know, to run two ten twenty eight. And um, if I had to pick one of those, I would pick 10th at the Olympics. So, um, I would, I'm going to go with Gillis. Um, uh, just, just because that's, it's, it's a, um, it's a performance that will, uh, that will stand the test of time. I uh, and you know what? I, uh, this, uh, you're going to hear the same thing from me. I have to say that, that Jerome Drayton and that longstanding record, uh, you know, was, was absolutely huge. Uh, like Paul said, they, uh, the man with the chisel should, uh, should have already been, been working on him. Uh, that seems like the obvious pick. And then, uh, I, I'd also, uh, take my, take my own, uh, pick here and, uh, and go with, uh, with Gillis for that, uh, for that second spot. So that wraps up our, our episode here on the Canadian marathoners, Mount Rushmore on the, on the men's side of things. Uh, our next episode, we're going to bring on another special guest to uh, to take a look at the, at the female side of things. Uh, I've been Michael Rokas. Paul Rokas has been out in Dundas. And, uh, of course, we've been joined by two-time Olympian, fifth-fastest Canadian marathoner, uh, Reed Coolsat, uh, today as well. You can find him at Reed Coolsat on uh, on the gram. Uh, Reed, wh- what do you have going on? What's uh, what's coming up on the, on the horizon for you? Uh, the race schedule is pretty bleak right now, <laughs> um, but yeah. So last year at this time, I I, I thought you know I, if there's a shot at going under two eleven thirty, that will get on the the Olympic team. And um, now with a year, um, it seems like the younger guys have had more of a more more time to um, you know finesse their marathon chops and get faster. And so now it would, it, it will take um, at least a two ten fifty one. Um, maybe a 210, 17 to get on the team. Um, but I, I do want to run a marathon. Um, I want to run a marathon with like the new super shoes, um, as, 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 and to, uh, improve my master's record and having the Olympics just there, just adds a bit of motivation, even though, um, I thought two eleven thirty was going to be a long shot for me at this point in my career. Um, but it, it, it's still it's still something that uh that drives me so i'm training for a marathon that um i have no clue if it will happen and 
and um, when, where, whatever. Um, but I'm just kind of starting a build right now and I feel pretty good. So um, I'm happy and looking forward to whatever, um, whatever, whatever presents itself. All right, and of course you have been listening to the uh, to the Terminal Mile. This is uh, this is the animated show that uh, that we're doing. And Paul, I'm actually going to get you to close out on this one. Uh, if Reed is ma- able to uh, to make that uh, a third Olympic marathoning team, uh, are you are you going to change your vote? Is he is he on that uh, is he on that rush more? Well, whoever that guy was who uh, came in to uh, argue for Reed, I mean, he made some really good arguments uh, and. And that uh, third third marathon team, it's it's close. It's close. I I would say what do it is um, a North American Masters record. Uh, what what is it right now? Does um, Legat have it? No, it, it Legat did have it. Obdi just said at the trials at two. I think it's two ten oh two. okay. Well, if if he can do that, Reed, I'll put you on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would. Uh, all right. Safe safe. Save, save save some extra stone there. Who knows? You know, if uh, if Cam has a big one, you you might need to have an afro up there, right? So, don't start chiseling Eric's uh, short short hair too soon. All right, folks. Thanks for listening, and uh, remember, support your local twilight.